Sinclair Johnson, how are you doing? Good. How are you doing today? Good. I'm good. How's your day going? Pretty good. Classic Portland day. So light drizzle. Light drizzle. Overcast. How is that transition from Florida? It's been different, I would say, in, in two aspects. I think one, obviously, the weather is very different here. Um, just getting used to like a, a true winter season because Florida does not have a winter season. <laughs> Maybe it has like one day that's cold. Um, and then it's also just very um, culturally very different out in the Pacific Northwest versus where I grew up. Um, so yeah, it's just like, and also just like, I live right in the city in Portland. So um, going from, you know, a suburb to living in a city um, has been a transition too. So, but it's been good. I mean, I really like it here. I think um, there's just, the summers here are great. So when it's summertime, there's just so many things to do here. Um, but even winter time, you can, you can still find things to do. Portland's a fun city. So that's been good. It's very much like Austin, Texas, in my opinion. Yeah. It's yeah. It's very progressive, I would say. And then also just like very, uh, just very active city. It just, I mean, I think just because of the access to a bunch of, um, I mean, there's Mount Hood, you can go skiing, and then there's a lot of hiking trails and a lot of um, water sports you can do. There's like huge like windsurfing community out like maybe an hour from Portland. So yeah, just like a lot of um, activities that get people out of the house, which is, I, I really like that part about Portland. Are you an outdoorsy type person? Yeah, I am. Yeah, I feel like naturally just being a runner, like being outdoors all the time um, has made me more outdoorsy, but I do mm. love like going on bike rides. Um, obviously I love going hiking when I can here. Um, so I love just like being out in the water, whether that's like floating on the river or kayaking or whatever it is. Um, so yeah, I would say I'm a pretty outdoorsy person. <laughs> what do you like most about Portland? We have found like, pretty quickly which has been awesome it was like uh I live with my boyfriend here and we found a group of friends like pretty quickly and I think that's been my favorite part about Portland is like the people that I've met here and um being so far away from home too and having a, a group that truly feels like a family has been really nice and just has made the transition a lot smoother and just made Portland itself feel like home a lot quicker um, to me. So yeah, I would have to say that's mm. been my favorite part about Portland. Nice. That's amazing. I want to ask you about Florida, but I want to knock out this intro. Hey, what's up, y'all? Welcome to the State for the Stories podcast. I'm your host, Jacob Elijah. Joining me today, Florida native, living in Portland, traveler, book enthusiast, pro runner for Nike, Sinclair Johnson. There you go. Thanks for having me on. <laughs> yeah, for sure. What do you miss most about Florida? I miss going to the beach, I would say. I like I lived about 50 minutes from the East Coast side of Florida and I, just with my friends all the time growing up is like what like a lot of days was like, "Oh, what's there to do?" like, "Okay, let's just go to the beach." Um so that was like always just an easy thing to do, but also the the beaches out here and I say that with air quotes because 
they're not beaches. It's definitely like the coast. <laughs> You're gonna ruffle a lot of feathers with that statement. Well, the the water is I don't know 50 degrees Fahrenheit, which is absolutely freezing. I mean, people get in it. You obviously have to wear a wetsuit. Um, but yeah, it's just it's not a warm. You don't go lay out on the beach and tan and go swim in the ocean and stuff. Um, so yeah, I think I definitely miss like just a beach. My family is out in Florida now, and every single chance I get, I do not hesitate to go down there and visit them. Do you surf? Can you surf? I have a few times. I don't like own a surfboard or anything, um, but I do try to surf when I get the opportunity to. Yeah. I'm not like very good at it, but I can at least stand up and I can catch a couple of ways. <laughs> it's not awesome. very consistent, but <laughs> nice. That's one thing I regret not doing whenever I go to Florida, learn how to surf. You should try it because especially I feel like in the cocoa area too, or like mainly like, you know, like central um, Florida the coastline is the waves are a lot more um, nicer for beginners. That's where I learned how to surf. So oh, cool. And it was in Coco. So um, yeah, it's a, it's much nicer to be able to surf those waves and, you know, try to come out. I don't even know somewhere like on the West coast. I feel like the waves are a little bit bigger out here. Do you have a favorite beach out in Florida? We would go to New Smyrna a lot just because it's the closest, but even like down Fort Lauderdale area is really, really nice. Um, but I also, I really love like Fort Myers, um, Naples area. Um, my dad did a lot of work in Clearwater, which is kind of near Tampa. So I'd probably say Clearwater is my favorite. Yeah. yeah. Which on the opposite side. Yeah. The opposite side, the Gulf is a little bit warmer too. So I like that. Yeah. I'm curious to know, how do you find training different than what you're used to growing up in Florida, being out in Portland? I mean, I don't have to wake up at 5 a.m. in the summers to like beat the heat and humidity <laughs> anymore mm -hmm. being out in Portland versus Florida. I would say there's more places to run out in Portland. I grew up in like a suburb area. So there were maybe like two or three nicer like trails that I could run on. But a lot of it was just kind of running through neighborhoods and stuff. And also just like I ran in high school when I was in Florida and the training is just very drastically different to what yeah. I do now. Um, so yeah, that's also another difference about mm -hmm. it. How was it growing up in Florida? Walk me through your childhood. We originally moved down to St. Petersburg, which is near Tampa area. Um, when we first moved to Florida and then shortly after that moved up to um, a suburb called Longwood, which is just like right outside of Orlando. And it was great. I mean, I never had, I never owned a winter coat. I got to wear flip-flops to school all the time. Um, got to go to the beach a lot. We would go to Universal Studios a lot because I love, love, love roller coasters. So, and my dad, um, through his work, did a lot of, um, he's a landscape architect. So we did a lot of work on, um, he did a lot of work with theme parks, like specifically Disney oh, wow. and Universal Studios. So um, we were just like, yeah, that was like one thing that we really always did. Um, but yeah, it was good. I, I really liked it. Um, and I feel like, um, you know, the summers were tough, but, um, like I said, we would just go to the beach because 
what else do you do? Like when it's like mm. that hot outside, like, you know, so um, yeah, it was, it was a good time. Growing up, were you always a runner? No. So I did uh, lacrosse for like five years before I became like a full-time runner. I would say I uh, ran or I played lacrosse from like, I think it was like fifth grade. I started um, and I ended up only running cross country in the fall of my freshman year of high school, because I was just going to do it to stay in shape for lacrosse, which is in the spring and ended up kind of, not kind of, I ended up being relatively good at it and qualifying for the state championships my freshman year. Um, and then it kind of just spiraled into this thing where, where my parents were like, well, how about we try track? And so then I tried track in the spring and ended up being a little bit better at that. I figured out it was like shorter distances, like specifically 800, 1600 to like half mile mile are um better or I was better at so track was like I that's when I really started like running when I did track um and and cross country was kind of more of like a conditioning sport for track but um yeah and then so I did that my freshman year and then it kind of just like ended up getting better and better each year and um uh yeah just ended up doing that full time and I actually never played lacrosse ever since then so yeah. Before we dive into running, what drew you in to play lacrosse? I think I just had some friends that were playing. Um, I also, one of my, I think it was, I guess I had a science teacher in um, elementary school that was actually the coach on the team and her daughters played lacrosse. And um, I think she just kind of, she was like, Hey, you should like come try this one time. Um and I tried it and I mean I loved I loved lacrosse it was so fun it was like I definitely wish that so women's lacrosse is technically a non-contact sport um and men's and men's lacrosse is a contact sport and so I so wish I played men's lacrosse because I was like a very aggressive player on the field <laughs> and I like to go up and check people and I like to you know just like be all over the place and um but so sometimes I would get into a little bit of trouble because like I said women's across not a contact sport so you can only do so much um but yeah I loved it and I thought I was gonna like I literally thought I was gonna go to like Syracuse and play lacrosse there because it's a pretty good school for lacrosse and um but yeah that all changed <laughs> pretty quickly how did you like that transition from uh, not really a contact sport, but still a contact sport with mm -hmm. lacrosse going into running? And how did you channel that aggressive athlete into running? I think the big thing that I didn't like about lacrosse, which is, this is going to sound kind of weird, but that it was a team sport because I, I mean, I liked like playing, like being on a team, but I didn't like the fact that I could do everything I could in a game and we could still lose. And so I just, I guess is maybe like a control thing, but I just wanted to, I don't know, sometimes like, you know, you care a lot more than some of your other teammates do. And I think that always like drove me crazy about team sports. Um, and so when I found running, it was something where it was like, I can completely control the outcome 
of my race. And I only really have myself to blame if things go wrong and I can live with that. Um, and so I think that's when I really started to like running a lot because um, I didn't have to rely on anybody else. It was like only up to me and I'm going to get out of it what I put into it. Um, and so I think I don't, I don't necessarily don't have an avenue that I can channel that aggression, but I do feel like I channel it into a way with training of just like, um, just, yeah, just putting like all my eggs in this one basket and just like really going for it and just really wanting to see how good I can be and just like not settling for mediocrity or just like, I don't know. I just feel like I came into running so like, uh, serendipitous and I just feel like this is kind of my calling and and I just really want to see how good I can be at this aggression might not have been the best way to phrase it for that question I think emptying your tank comes in all shapes and sizes how was it transitioning from cross-country into track so I didn't know really what to expect because I I started with cross-country and I didn't necessarily like it very much um think the race was a little bit too long for me for one and two I just like I didn't really like the training aspect of it because it was a lot of longer intervals and just I don't know just like boring to me (laughs) um so when I got into track and we started you know running like quick 400s or you know quick 200s or just like shorter faster stuff that's when I was like oh I really really like this um so I felt like that was good. It was, it was a good transition in the sense that with cross country, I, I got a base. And I think that's obviously really important. It's like, even as a pro now we have our fall training block as like a base. We do a lot of longer intervals. Um, our mileage is typically higher. We're doing, you know, longer runs and whatever it is. Um, so you can, you can have that foundation and that, that base to be able to add on top of it, all the fast stuff to get you sharp and fast. Um, so yeah, I think that having done cross country, it allowed me to, um, appreciate like the faster stuff a little bit more. Um, and then also just like build on what I had been doing from all fall. So having grown up in Florida and my experience growing up in Texas, you rarely see anyone leave that is from there walk Mm -hmm. me through your decision and that transition from Florida to Oklahoma State you're right like no one leaves (laughs) because why would you it's so nice there but Mm -hmm. um it's uh I I went to high school with I graduated probably with like 600 kids so a pretty big school but literally everyone either went to Florida or Florida State and as much as I really liked a lot of the people that I went to high school with, I felt like I wanted a different experience. I just wanted, I wanted to be somewhere where I felt like I was going to be my own place. And I didn't want to get caught in the trap of just kind of hanging out with, or just sticking with friends that I already had, because that was what was comfortable. And I feel like the one thing is like, I could always move back home. Um, but it's kind of harder if you stay home to like move away. So I, um, really wanted to look, I basically looked 
all outside of Florida. I didn't look at a single Florida school because I knew I didn't want to go. I don't want to go anywhere in Florida. Were you getting a lot of letters from schools in Florida? Yeah, I, I was. I, I mean, I got interest from the big schools like Florida, Florida State, um, UCF, Miami. But I, I think I remember being like pretty short with them and just basically being honest and saying like, you know, I appreciate you reaching out to me, but I am 100% not interested in going to school in Florida. Um, so, and I think it helped to like the programs that were at Florida and Florida state at the time when I was coming out of school, weren't great for distance. So it didn't, it wasn't like I was passing up this awesome opportunity to be on a team that was, you know, national championship caliber. Um, so I think that also probably made it easier, um, to look elsewhere. What schools were you looking at? Let's go through your top five. I took four visits outside of, um, or I took, yeah, I took four official visits. So I went to Oklahoma State first, and then I actually went to the University of Texas, and then I went to Harvard, and then I went to Alabama. Nice. So yeah, kind of a little bit all over. I didn't really look anywhere on the West coast. I thought that was like a little bit too far away from home. I didn't want to be like a six hour flight from home, you know, like I wanted to be at least, you know, two, three hour flight from home. So Oklahoma state was about as far as I could go without being too far away. Was it love at first sight at Oklahoma state? Yeah, it was. I, that was, so that was my first visit. No other school had a chance after that. Yeah. I, cause I honestly, I didn't want to take any of my other visits and my parents are like no you like you're gonna go on all your, the rest of your visits because if you don't you were you're just gonna regret it and be like oh what if you know and I'm sure I would have felt that way so I'm glad that they pushed me to to go to the other schools but yeah it was great I did it yeah like I said I didn't really know what to expect but um kind of just found a family really quickly at Oklahoma State and just felt like I could be successful here for one and um, just found a community like within, you know, S Stillwater, Oklahoma, which is where Oklahoma State is, that was so, uh, like the community, the, the, the athletic program was so backed by the community in general at, in, um, at Oklahoma State, which I thought was super cool. Um, and yeah, there just was a lot of support and I really liked the coach. I thought I, really bonded with him and could see him. Um, he saw big things for me that I think was um, really special to, to have initially. Um, and yeah, it, it, honestly, it was everything that I was looking for that I didn't know that I was looking for <laughs> in a school. Would you say it was kind of an experience like the people make the place? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I think because I think with running, it's like, there's only so much variation you can do with it. And basically everyone's doing similar training. Like there's nothing really fancy about running that you can um, get from school to school. Um, and I think it was more about where I could find myself being happy and really enjoying, especially outside of running. Because um, I feel like when I'm happy and my life outside of running that's when running then that's when I reap like success from running so um 
I just, yeah, I, I got to that school and I just felt like this is somewhere where um, I could really thrive because I feel like I uh, found people that I really enjoy being around. That's amazing. Yeah. When looking at schools, I was looking at solid football programs and even wrestling programs. So I wrestled my freshman year of high school. I actually went to the University of Oklahoma training camp for wrestling. That was one of my schools of interest at the time, but I wasn't a fan of the area. I'm a big city yeah. guy. The small town vibes yeah, it's different. <laughs> wasn't my thing, but I think you put it best in describing how the community really backs up the school. I definitely felt that in Norman, Oklahoma, for sure. I can see how that can carry over to Oklahoma State. The only reason why Norman or Stillwater exists is because of the school, <laughs> mm -hmm. you know, so um, it's just, that's just a college town vibe that you just don't get with a city school. But I mean, yeah, it's kind of whatever you, uh, whatever you like, though. Do you have a favorite experience at your time at Oklahoma State? I mean, I have so many, but I, I do feel like a lot of my favorite times were kind of like in the, the, the later part of the school year. So like April, May, when it's starting to get like warm out and everyone's just like in a good mood and we're in outdoor track season, which is basically everyone's favorite season. Um, and just like a lot of practices where either like my coach is like goofing off or like, like we're still working hard, but just like, it's just such a light environment and everyone's having fun. And, um, we would do like a lot of team dinners together. And so we would all just like do these big cookouts at each other's houses. And, um, a lot of those times are like my favorite memories and what I like miss the most about that time. Um, just yeah just like I don't know it's, it's such like a carefree like I feel like in college you're still kind of under your parents a little bit and even though you do have a little bit more freedom you're still living on your own um and whatnot but you also don't have the full responsibilities as you would post-college when you, you like have to pay rent and bills and like you know all this other stuff so um yeah it was just such a fun a fun time in, of your life to be on living on your own, but like literally having no responsibilities other than going to class and going to practice. <laughs> Walk me through that experience for you committing to Oklahoma State and then the transition from Florida. After I took my visit, I just felt in my gut and just my intuition was just saying that this is where I should be and where I need to be and where I want to be. Um, I ended up taking the rest of my visits and which was good because I felt like every single visit just kind of confirmed that Oklahoma State was where I wanted to go because there were certain things at these other schools that Oklahoma State had that I didn't find there. Um, so it was just like a good reassurance um, to have that. And then, so I eventually committed um, and then, yeah, moved out there. And obviously a very big transition going from Orlando, Florida to um, Oklahoma state, which is not the most like diverse of places, which, uh, was very interesting. Like the student population in general is not very diverse. Like everyone's coming from Oklahoma and Texas primarily. Um, but on the other hand, the, the athlete 
population was super diverse. I mean, we had people on our team from Kenya and Ireland and Lithuania, um, and then also all over the US as well. So that part was cool, but just like going to class, like was just very shocking <laughs> at some point. Cause I, I mean, I grew up like in a, like a very, very diverse um, um, city. So um, yeah, it was just, just different in that regard. And it's a little bit more of like a, a Southern town. So there's, you know, a lot of like cowboys and um, it was like a big, uh, Greek life school too so either you were either you were in a fraternity or sorority or you were an athlete and basically there was like no in between um but it was like really nice to be able to go to school and just kind of have 30 friends automatically because I was on you know the track and field team um and uh yeah we like I remember my freshman year we all you have to stay in the dorms and the whole entire freshman um, track and fields group is on the same floor. So that was a lot of fun. Like we had our own rooms, but we had, we were basically all just like kind of living in a hotel it felt like together. Um, and um, just like having that experience was like really, really cool. So yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't terrible at all. Like I felt like there were ups and downs of like college of for whatever reason, but um I feel like just like going back to what I was saying earlier, just the people I had there just made it so worth it and just made my time there so special. Were you in a sorority? No, I wouldn't even have been allowed to join a sorority having been an athlete. Um, and I was also 1000% not interested <laughs> in being in a sorority at all. So, um, yeah, <laughs> not in a sorority. <laughs> what did you major in? Economics. Nice. I love math, like love, love, love math. And I really liked how economics was kind of this real world application of math. And it had, you know, some theory involved, to it um but then there was also like a huge component of kind of like predicting and kind of like speculating um so like a lot of it still doesn't have a like a finite answer which I did like about that but then there was also like these models that you can these like mathematical models that you could use to explain things that don't have one right answer, if that makes sense. There was like this class that I took in um, college that was like labor markets or labor economics. So it talked about labor markets in every scenario. There's obviously times where unemployment is higher than others and trying to find a model of mm -hmm. it to be able to predict when we're going to have another huge surge in unemployment, which is like not always right, but that's what an economist's job is to do is to like look at patterns, like past patterns, and then kind of like condense it into a model okay. <laughs> and then use that to apply to future and to predict what could possibly happen. That's really cool. It's really interesting. I want to ask you, you're a book lover. Are you one of those people that read one book a week? Not that quickly. I've been trying to read. I feel like in the past, like I do enjoy reading, but I hadn't really um, read a whole lot. And so I made a goal for myself this year just to read like 12 books. So a book a month, which is like not anything crazy. 
but I got so into it and I'm already on my, my fifth book and we're only in March. Um, but yeah, I just, I just been kind of like switching out from, um, fiction and nonfiction. So kind of going back and forth just so I'm not, I love, love reading fiction, like especially murder mysteries, but I'm also like, well, let me spend some time actually learning something informational if I'm going to spend all this time reading. Um, so I found some cool, um, which I actually did read a book about like, um, eviction and so like low income housing which is kind of applicable to economics and it was like really really interesting um to read that um but then I love like I read this book called where the crawl sing which is like a very it's like a murder mystery like coming of age story and I love that kind of stuff so it's kind of weird to have like both like ends of the spectrum but um they keep it fun though so, yeah what are you currently reading right now I'm reading this book called anxious people which is a fiction book um, and it's, uh, I don't even know how to describe this book. It's very interesting. It's like, it's basically about, uh, this guy who tries to rob a bank, but then ends up me messing this whole thing up and ends up holding all these people hostage. And it kind of, and then the bank robber ends up getting away. And so it follows the story of like, who these people are, what their backgrounds are. Um, and then basically like they're all hiding something and we're going to find out what they're hiding and it's kind of all come together at the end and stuff. So yeah. Anyways. <laughs> that sounds like a good book. Do you audio book? I listen to podcasts, but I don't ever do book. No. Well, speaking of podcasts, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Diving back into your college experience, walk me through being an all American and all big 12. That didn't happen until my last year of school or my junior year of school, my third year, um, but kind of was just like the perfect storm. I think I was like really by my junior year is really ready for a breakout year. Um, just been kind of showing in practice and stuff. And it kind of all came to fruition um, my junior year outdoors when I won the NCAA championship in the 1500. Um, but yeah, it was. Uh, it was like, it, I was super, super excited, obviously, but it was like one of those things where I had been knowing that I can do this for a while and I was just waiting for the moment to actually do it. So more than just like being super excited about it, it would just felt like very like reassuring because obviously you have these dreams and you have like these goals for yourself and you have like this idea of what you can do, but you know, thinking that you can do it and doing it are like two totally different things. And so when I finally felt like I reached a goal that I had set out for myself that I knew I could make, it was like just a very satisfying and just very like, like reassuring moment in my career. So yeah, it was really cool. Really special. Nice. I think it's very interesting. All American in outdoor 1500 and then all big 12 outdoor 800 meters. In my yeah. opinion, those are two totally different events. Yeah, they're different, but they're like, they, I feel like they still go hand in hand though. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, cause I, I ran the 800 primarily in, in high school. So that's like, that's like my, how I got into running. And your core right there. You can do that with your eyes closed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but the 1500 I've had, it's the 1500 is really cool event just because 
it's it's super fast. Like, I mean, we're running close to four minutes nowadays. Um, but it's uh, also there's a lot of like racing and tactics involved in it, mm. which I think that is such a cool aspect about this event that it can be, you know, only like basically four laps, which is relatively quick but there can there's like so much that can happen in those four laps and um yeah just the, like knowing how to race and how other people race and how you know you match up with that person just all that kind of stuff is uh um why yeah the 1500 has definitely become now my favorite event because of that how would you describe those four laps that set you apart for your 1500 what did you plan for and then what actually happened in that specific race, I had known the two people that I was, I felt like I was going to be competing for the title with. I knew exactly what their strategies were and what their, what their race plans are. Um, so having that going in, I felt like I had the, the best leg speed in the race, if that makes sense. So if I could be with someone until like 200 meters to go, then I knew I'd won the race. Um, and it was like getting to that point of being able to be at the front with 200 to go. Um, and that's kind of honestly how I approach racing now too, is like, I have, I think I, I have a lot of, of natural like foot speed and that's kind of like my strength in a sense in the 1500, whereas like maybe someone comes from, you know, a five, K background. So they have a lot more endurance than I do. Um, and so I feel like I approach a lot of the races, like just trying to hang on for those three laps. And then, um, with 400 to go, if, if I'm right there, and especially if I'm there with 200 to go, I almost feel like, like nine times out of 10, I'm going to win that race. Um, so I think a lot of, my training now is, is geared towards getting me stronger in the endurance aspect. So I can withstand, um, you know, those first few laps where we're going at a pretty steady pace, but then having enough left in my tank to be able to really like kick down the rest of the field. So walk me through that transition to being a pro runner. After I won that race, my junior year, um, it became possible to go pro essentially. Um, and so I spent that summer kind of like figuring out who I wanted as an agent to represent me. Um, and also figuring out, cause I still had two years left of eligibility and, uh, in college. And so trying to also figure out whether I wanted to go pro or not. Um, but I think when with this sport too, it can be so fickle. Like you could be injured next year, you could have a bad year next year or whatever the case was. And so speaking to like some other people, basically one of my now teammates, which is kind of funny, I had talked to when I was trying to figure out whether I was going to go pro or not. She told me to strike when the iron's hot. Um, and that kind of stuck with me. And I was like, I mean, yeah, I just can't pass up this opportunity because not everyone gets to go, you know, pro and, um, and track or even in their respective sport. And so if I, I felt like I had the opportunity to, and I was going to be set up financially, I was like, I'm going to take it. So 
I ended up deciding to go pro and, and finding an agent who I thought was going to represent me um, pretty well and be able to like really maximize my value on um, the contract side of things. Um, so when I did that, and then eventually we signed, I signed with Nike um, and I um, ended up moving out here to Portland um, to join. So there's like various professional groups around the country and um, Nike specifically has two professional groups that reside in Portland and train here. And um, so I joined the Bowerman Track Club, which is one of the two groups that's here. And um, uh, in, what was that? That was October of 2020. So yeah, moved out here and joined them. And um, that was, that was an interesting year. It was uh, like a very, very eye-opening year for me in terms of like, this is what pro running is. It's, it's a full-time job. And that sounds crazy to say, because I would have never guessed it was, but it's more of a lifestyle um, than it is like, you know, you can only spend so much time running is basically what I'm trying to say, but it's like all the other hours of your day that um, also really add to your training, whether you're getting enough sleep, whether you're eating well and hydrating and um, recovering well enough and all these other things that make up, you know, the other nine to 10 hours of my day that I'm not running. Um, and I didn't really realize that in college because they don't emphasize that at all. I mean, I'm a student in college and that's where a lot of my time goes. But then as I, you know, transition to the pro level, the intensity cranks all the way up, you know, the volume cranks all the way up too. And so there's a lot more time you have to spend recovering and making sure you're doing all the little things right to be able to perform your best. What was the most eye-opening aspect to the pro runner lifestyle? Just like how tired <laughs> I am all the time. Mm -hmm. I think I, I think, it, I mean, in, especially in high school and college, like, well, I feel like in college more, there were some workouts that would really like you know, put me on my butt the rest of the day, but that was very, very rare. I mean, I might have one or two, you know, every other month. Um, but now it's like almost there's weeks where I'm just so, so tired. I don't want to do anything else, um, for the rest of the day after a hard workout or mm -hmm. whatever it is. Um, and yeah, just like the amount of time I spend either doing like running or doing running related things or like thinking about running is also maybe it's unhealthy, <laughs> but that also really like surprised me about this, um, lifestyle. Just like, it's like I said, it's like just an all encompassing thing. Out of the two teams training in Portland, what drew you to Bowerman as the first pick? A lot of reasons, but mainly because my coach and um, college was really good friends with uh, the coach at Byron, Jerry Schumacher. And so I had known or heard about Jerry for probably like since I was a freshman in college and knew about the program. Um, and um, so I think having that familiarity was already like in my, in my mind when I was thinking about teams to join. And then also at the time, Shelby Houlihan was the American record holder in the, uh, or I mean, still is, but 
um, in the 1500. And, um, and I was like, I want to go train with the best of the best. And if the best in America is in that group, that's where I want to go. Uh, so that was also a huge pull. Um, and then I also just really liked how the team, like there's a lot of people on the team. Um, and so I, it kind of felt like an, um, extension of college where, um, I was going to have, you know, 10, 11 other teammates, which I thought was going to be really, really fun to have is because not all pro groups are that big. Most pro groups are like three to four people. Um, so, um, I thought that was going to be a huge like asset to have so many different people that come from so many different backgrounds to train with too. Did you find it challenging at all transitioning over from college into the pros? It was definitely a transition. I had the same kind of similar transition from like high school to college where I came in as a state champion, but everybody on the team is a state champion. So it doesn't really matter. You know, at that point, you're just another one. So, um, and I had to like work my way up. I had to like, you know, figure out what worked best for me. Um, you was like my elders on the team to, you know, get advice from them. Um, so I felt like coming into Bowerman track club was kind of similar in that sense where I was on the bottom of the totem pole again, which, and I was okay with, like, I want, I wanted to be surrounded by people that were better than me. Cause that's how you get better. It sounds like that was fuel to the flame. Yeah, for sure. It just kind of so worked out. It felt like I was like a freshman in college again. Um, but was good. I learned so much that year about myself, about running, about training. Um, and I felt like it was because I had so many people on the team that had been through this before that were better than me, that, that were pushing me. Walk me through your decision to leave and transition over to Union Athletics Club. That was uh, a tough transition. Uh, only because I was leaving a bunch of people that I became really close with um, on Bowerman. But the thing that made me want to leave was that I truly feel like I'm an 800, 1500, so middle distance runner. And the training with Bowerman Track Club was very much geared towards being a great 5K, 10K runner, so more of a distance runner. And I am one very fragile. I don't, I can't run, you know, 80 to 90 miles a week, like the rest of the the team would. Um, And also just, I was not adapting very well to the training. And I, and it was, it just felt like I was doing somebody else's training. Like I wasn't doing something that was um, the best for me specifically. So I tried to talk uh, with Jerry, who was the coach, and just express my concerns and then also, you know, kind of let him know, like, I was thinking about leaving the group and um, there was no real, um, there was no conversation of, okay, we can, you know, try to work things out. We can change your training a little bit. We can individualize it a little bit more. So when that became apparent that things weren't going to change was then I kind of realized that I needed to seek something else out. Um, and so, yeah, that's when I found Pete Julian and Union Athletics Club. And 
and I'd known about Pete and his training just because I was friends with a couple of uh, people on the team um, prior to that. So, um, and things have been 180 difference. Like I feel like I'm a lot more control of my training and I have a lot more say. Um, the training's very individualized. We're not all doing the same thing. Um, and I feel like Pete understands me a little bit more as an athlete, even though we haven't even spent that much time together. Um, so yeah, it's been, it's been, it was hard leaving, but I am so glad that I did because I feel like I'm in the spot that I'm supposed to be or the situation that I'm supposed to be in. I'm sure it was a tough decision to make, but it sounds like it was the right one. Yes, exactly. Yeah. What do your days look like now? Every day is a little bit different, but um, Tuesdays and Fridays are days that we work out. So I'm basically working out from nine in the morning to like 3 p.m. Um, and that's, you know, a track workout in the morning and then right to a, a lift right after. Um, and then some kind of treatment, whether it be a massage or acupuncture or whatever it is, is usually like what my Tuesdays and Fridays look like. Um, and the days in between I run in the morning. Um, and then usually like if I'm here in Portland, I'm, you know, getting little errands done and stuff during the day, but, or sometimes just even relaxing and, and resting and recovering. Um, and then I swim twice a week. So I'll do that on Mondays and Thursdays in the afternoon. And then, um, yeah, the other days like could be a run in massage or like a run in like some mobility work. Um, but nothing like too crazy, <laughs> but, um, yeah, usually they start with a run in the day and then followed up by at least something in the afternoon. So, yeah. And you said you have more control over your training program now? Yeah, there's just, it's, it's more of like a collaborative effort. There's more of like my coach now, Pete wants, wants my feedback on training. And if I'm not that if I'm liking it, cause it doesn't like, sometimes I don't really like training, but if, if it's something that like, you know, I feel like I need, or is there other areas that we need to touch on more or, mm. um, or just like, I run the 800, 1500, we have people on our team that run, you know, the 5k, 10k, and maybe they needed to do seven miles of work on a particular day, but I only need to do like four miles of work on a particular day because I run a shorter distance. So just even things like that are a lot more individualized. We're not just all kind of doing the same exact workout. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's more of a collaboration, I would say. And there's more of a conversation about training than Versus like, this is what your training is. This is what you're doing this week. No questions asked. <laughs> so, yeah. Are you still close with some of your friends and former teammates from Bowerman? Yeah, I am. Yeah. So Vanessa, I got really close with Carissa Schweitzer, Elise Cranny, like I'm still, which is nice that I'm still in Portland because I can still hang out with a lot of them. Um, and so I do appreciate that um that I didn't have to move too far away mm -hmm. when switching groups but 
yeah, I think, I mean, like I said earlier, that was the hardest part about leaving is because I made such good friends with these people. Mm. And now I don't get to spend every single day with them, but um, when we're both in Portland and we're not away at training camps, we definitely t- try to spend as much time together as we can. Nice. That's yeah. really cool. You can stay close to the former teammates and friends For that you sure. used to run with. Do you have a favorite highlight from your athletic career so far? I would probably still have to say when I won NCAAs in 2019, mm-hmm. the 1500, just because like I was saying earlier, how that was that was something that I was working on, working towards for like three years. So just to have that come to reality was a really, really special moment. I can only imagine like when you cross that finish line, what that experience must have been like. Yeah, it was feeling like no other for sure. Like you're definitely always like um, trying to, trying to find that feeling again. Cause it's just, yeah, just a huge sense of validation. Just like, there's so many days of this job or just like, I, and I love, I love what I do. Like I'm not, I wouldn't rather be doing anything else, but there are a lot of times where I don't want to go for a run or, you know, a, a workout really sucks or I'm really tired. And, and so I feel like once you get a really high moment like that, it just washes like away all those bad moments. <laughs> what is your pre-race ritual? I don't have one, really? honestly. That's yeah. Great. Cause the, the thing is about that is like, we, we travel a lot for these races, whether it's internationally or just domestically. And I never want to have something so specific that if I get into a situation where I can't get that particular meal or whatever it is, mm-hmm. I don't want to feel like I'm going to like lose my marbles, you know, like, I don't want to feel like now the race is completely out of my control and I can't do well. And I can't, you know, have a great race. So I try really not to have anything be even like things that I eat. Like I, I, I obviously like on race day, I'll try to eat things that like don't upset my stomach. Um, like I'm not going to eat a burrito or a burger before a race. Right. But like, um, I'm not very like specific about even like you know, socks I wear or like whatever that kind of thing is. So, yeah. That's so relatable from my days playing football. I day in and day out would mix it up all the time. Like I never wanted to feel like I got into a ritual or a habit of doing the same thing over and over again for the same reason as you is that if I was ever put in a situation where I miss one thing or I forget one thing or something is a little bit off, it wouldn't throw me off. I never wanted to be in that position. And so I always stayed adaptable and adjustable right exactly fun question for you what sport would you be into if you weren't into running probably tennis really yeah no lacrosse I like I mean I would like to play lacrosse but like I think as a I mean there's no real like women's professional league so if we're talking Mm. about like doing another pro pro sport tennis for sure I would love to play tennis yeah but you know how to play tennis. Um, yeah, a little bit. I'm not okay. like very good at it. Well, actually, there are a ton of tennis courses out in Florida. Yes. There are a yeah. ton of golf courses. Golf courses. Tennis courses. Tennis courses. Yes, yep. for sure. <laughs> yeah. Genuine curiosity. Why Nike? A couple of reasons. Honestly, the biggest reason is they gave me the best contract um, in terms of just like my base salary and also my bonuses. 
Um, but also because Nike, as I'm sure, you know, being in like the athletic world is, if not the most, like one of the most dominant sports, um, what do you call it? Sports companies in the world, right? So Mm -hmm. there's, you know, Adidas is pretty big, but I feel like Nike's is almost like the biggest. Um, and Nike's biggest thing is innovation and they're always trying to improve and trying to make things better. And whether it's in footwear, apparel, or even with their athletes and like athletic type of testing and stuff. So, um, that was a huge thing for me is like, I want to be with the company that is constantly on that cutting edge of innovations, constantly trying to improve shoes or improve spikes or improve whatever it is. Um, and so, yeah, that was, uh, that was another reason why. Nice. It's also really exciting. All right. Last question for you. What's next? What are you training for? What's on the horizon? My big goal this year is, uh, so the world, the outdoor world track and field championships is actually like in our backyard in Eugene, Oregon. Um, first time being held in the stadium. Um, maybe like first time in a long time that the world track and field championships have been held in America in general, they're usually over in Europe or, um, somewhere over there. So anyways, um, that's my biggest goal is to make that team in the 1500. Um, so hopefully I do that. I would love, love, love to make the 2024, um, Paris Olympic team. That's also another like big goal of mine. Um, and then other than that, like just little things in between, I think just like, um, you know, obviously dropping my times in the 800 and 1500, um, and, uh, just being able to race. I've never raced over in Europe ever before. Okay. Um, and there's a huge, like, uh, there's a huge race circuit over there. So there's, there's like these races in Rome and Brussels and Paris and Belgium and like all these places over there is a big circuit um, that happens every summer. And so that's another one of my goals, like to get over there and, and race and be able to travel while also um, running over there. So um, yeah, that's kind of what's next for me. Nice. Well, good luck. Thank you. Sounds exciting. Sounds like you have a lot that you're working towards. I wish you all the best. Good luck. Thank you. I appreciate it. That's a wrap. Thank you so much. Yeah, it was nice meeting you. And thanks so much for having me on. Stay tuned. More to come. As always, stay for the stories.